chapter by chapter, line by line. Listen to our show and have a real good time with your pal Annie and Eric too. Chapter by chapter, line by line, we'll read along with you. We'll read along with you. Welcome to Chapter by Chapter. We are the world's slowest book club currently on Chapter 8 of Northanger Abbey after eight, well, technically nine weeks of podcasting. Yes, exactly. Sorry about the delay last week. I wanted to uh, uh, release the last one last week, but I was uh, sleepy and crabby and I, I, wanted, I, I pooped my, my little diaper. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but actually... But, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so, uh, yeah, this is chapter by chapter. Every episode we read another chapter of a book. Eventually we'll get through the great classics of the Western canon. All of them. Well, by the time we're dead, we'll have got read ten books. And really, that's as, that's probably as good as you're going to get in 2019, is ten books for the rest of your life. Ten books is more books than I feel like most Americans read. Yeah, in, in their lives. Should it, I close that door? Yeah, yeah, you should, okay. yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, most Americans read 10 books in their lives, and so that's why we are here to uh, bring you Northanger Abbey in um, with a spoonful of, of sugar, or um, I think in our case, a spoonful of MDMA. A spoonful of wine, which is how I'm drinking this wine. By this, Yes, by the spoonful. I, this has actually been every single episode of Chapter by Chapter. Uh, Eric takes out a tiny silver spoon from his jeans, jean pocket and drinks uh, wine out of it. Yes, it's to uh, pace myself, uh, but I do it very, very quickly. I've, I've learned how to like just rapidly... Right, so this is, this is a, uh, a courting technique, yes. I, I assume. Uh, well, what it is is I have, uh, you know those um, uh, switch blades? It's a switch spoon, you know? So I take it out and I go, Pht. I go like, you want some of me? And I take it out and go, Pht. and uh, here, here, let me show you how I, hold on, let me just get it in there. Uh, let me show you how I usually drink. Right, so, so the wine is rapidly decreasing. There's no more wine. Eric is pouring himself more wine. And so he actually holds a world record in... Um, speed with which uh, a person can drink wine with a teaspoon. I have like hummingbird-like skills in terms of just sort of slowly dipping in. The, the spoon is somewhat like proboscis-like and I just... Yes, yes. And like a hummingbird, Eric has a tongue that wraps around his brain. Uh, <laughs> that's that I did not know hummingbirds have that too I I yeah because I yeah. know I have that mm -hmm. that's where I keep my tongue yeah. is that not where you keep your tongue well that is not where I keep my tongue but it, oh my god well I don't know it's uh well then you're, I assume the rest of your skull is full of brain and not with tongue it is not full of tongue Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is not full of tongue. My stomach is sometimes full of tongue after I have eaten eaten many many tongues after I have you know, but, you know, this accounts for all the people behind the many veils in my apartment. Of course. Uh, sometimes my stomach is full of tongue after I visit the kosher deli and I buy some uh, some beef tongue. Yeah, yeah. Be and I cook it up. Beef tongue with relish, a little mm -hmm. a little uh, Russian dressing. Absolutely. That is beautiful. That is a beautiful deli just, sandwich. Mm, classic. Mm. Classic. Delicious. I want to unfurl my tongue from around my brain and just wrap it around some more tongue. It's like I'm French kissing a, a cow. 
Right, so this is this is going to be our most tongue-centric episode of chapter by chapter. I feel like we can beat it in future chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like this is a, a standard with which to measure other chapters in terms of tongue-filledness. Also, uh, Catherine Moreland, the main character of Northanger Abbey, has yet to uh, open mouth tongue kiss anybody. No, no, that's true. And and as we know, Jane Austen is the tonguiest of nineteenth-century authors. She does have a sharp tongue. Uh, she certainly is uh, a wit. Uh, it's full of, this book is full of sass. Yeah, and, and Frenching. It's full of, if by Frenching you mean talking about, uh, French muslin, then yes. French, yes, French muslin, and Mm -hmm. those dastardly French. Oh, yes, because they're at the, is this in the Napoleonic Wars? Yeah, Napoleonic Wars, yeah, yeah, we don't like the French. Corsican ogre? Oh, oh, that Corsican ogre. Yeah, absolutely, taking over the continent. Those Corsicans with their gosh darn polyphonic folk singing. Absolutely, and their uh, 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 their emperor who uh, emancipated the Jews uh, and possibly betrayed the revolution. What's your opinion on Napoleon? I am more or less a Bonapartist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want an enlightened monarch. Uh, I mean, not. I don't want an enlightened monarch, but you know, compared to all the other monarchs in at the time, That's I think point. Napoleon. I, I am I am Team Napoleon in in the in the Napoleonic Wars. I am Team Napoleon. That's a good point. Uh, when it's Napoleon versus like the Czar of Russia, definitely Napoleon gets. Oh it, yeah, hands down. Yeah, I and I read a a biography of Napoleon when I was like eleven or twelve because our history teacher had told us to go and find a biography, and I had found I had just so happened to come upon an enormously thick and very graphic um ac- a tome. Uh, on the life of Napoleon that I read in middle school, and that it just it broke my brain and turned <laughs> turned me turned me into the enlightened leftist that I am today. It uh, broke your brain, and that explains the the way you are right now. It does uh, I, with my tricorn hat. You are currently wearing a tricorn hat. Uh, you are cross-eyed and drooling a little. Yep. And uh, you uh, you you haven't heard this on air because I usually keep uh, I usually try to silence her, but she usually makes loud proclamations declaring herself the Empress of Brooklyn. I do, and then, but you know, when it comes time to um, enthroning myself, I, um, I I prefer a you know the the truly gorgeous painting of uh, of the time that I was crowned Queen of Brooklyn um, is is a very small painting, whereas the uh, the the bigger and more ga- uh, grandiose painting is in fact a a, a painting of me crowning uh, Stephen King of Brooklyn. Oh, it's yes. the, the king consort. Is that what that picture is? Yes. Oh, look yes. at it. It's huge. It's the size of the wall. That's a that's a that's a French academic painting uh, joke. Good if God. anybody anybody gets those. Uh, anyway, what what the hell are we doing here? We are we are going here to discuss ep- uh, season. Season, season one. Season one. We are here to discuss chapter eight of Northanger Abbey. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what, so what happens in, in chapter eight of Northanger Abbey? Well, let's want to do a last time. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Last time on Northanger Abbey. Uh, last time on Northanger Abbey, we meet uh, Mr. John Thorpe, who is Isabella Thorpe's brother. Isabella and Catherine Moreland are best friends, uh, Isabella best wants... Best friends in Bath. Best friends in Bath. Isabella wants Catherine to kind of get with her brother, it seems like. John John Thorpe. I keep on wanting to say John Bolton, but that's That's not, someone else. That's somebody else. John Bolton! <laughs> uh, Wait, am I thinking of the right John Bolton? I, I was thinking of the uh, national security advisor. Oh, I was thinking of the guy, the singer. Um, you know, he... He sings like this! 
I'm John Bolton. That's the wrong Bolton. John Bolton is the mustache psychopath. The mustache who's psychopath. Who's trying to kill us all. Trying to kill us all I by bringing a, us to war with Iran. I have a crazy story about that If guy. only he sang instead. I grew up in uh, on the D.C. metro area, and my sister went to the same uh, private school as his daughter, and his daughter used to bully my sister. Bitch. Yeah, so it runs in the family. The fucking family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, this is this is going to connect to the my my um my recommendation for this week, which is a a uh, a novel about a Jew who's a spy in a in a Nazi boarding school. Ooh. For for the Nazi elite. So uh please use that information to dox me. All 13 of our listeners. All 13 of your of our listeners. Please do not dox Eric. Please do not dox Eric <laughs> to the other two people who don't know who I am, I guess. Uh, so what else is what else happened? You meet, we meet John uh, we meet John Thornton. Thorpe. John Thor- Thornton. John Thorpe. John well, Thorpe. All these names are so boring. Who's John other Thorpe. Bolton I'm thinking? Is it Michael Bolton? It is Michael Bolton. Okay. Michael Bolton is the singer. John Bolton is the is the mustache psychopath. Oh, okay. Uh anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so John John Thorpe is uh, is a dickhead. Yeah, he's like a bore. He talks about his car. He's just a like a just a shitty boyfriend. Yeah, he is really just a shitty boyfriend. But uh, Catherine is uh, stuck with being his date for this party that they go to. Uh, Isabella, her, her best friend. Right. We're now talking about the current chapter where. Oh yeah, sorry. The Thorpe, the Thorpes, and Catherine Moreland and um, Mrs. Mrs. Allen, and now this new and now this new character, Mrs. Hughes, who really doesn't matter, are all at this party in the upper rooms. We're back in the upper rooms, and the upper rooms, by the way, are different from the pump room. The pump room is where you pump. The upper rooms are where you dance. I still don't really understand the geography of this. Is this one big building? I think they, they are they are separate buildings in the same city. They're both in Bath. Okay. And the upper rooms are just like the ball, the ballroom of like the assembly room, which is where the the gentry hang out and are uh, do gentry things like drink tea and and flirt and be mean to each other. And the pump rooms is where they do all of those things and also drink disgusting water. But is this somebody's house or is this like a particular club that you have to be a part of? Or? I think it's like a club. Oh. Yeah, I think it's like like we I think we we talked about in the last cut like some a few episodes ago how you can't you probably couldn't just show up. Like a shoeshine boy mm-hmm. at the assembly room. Hello. Hello. Please cure me gout. Please cure me gout. You know, you couldn't, like, you, the, the, the shoeshine boy. Please, I'm so jaundiced. <laughs> you jaundiced. Look at how yellow my skin is. <laughs> oh, poor, poor shoeshine boy. Absolutely. Why, you're, you are so yellow. Eric, you're, you're like, you're turning saffron. Absolutely. I'm a bright shade of saffron. Right. My teeth are falling out. Oh, goodness. I just don't like the taste all, of citrus. Now all of the... All the all the wounds that all of every wound that you have ever had is now reappearing on your skin. Every wound I've ever had, I'm openly bleeding, and my blood is yellow. You know what, Eric? I don't think we're gonna let you into the assembly rooms today. I think you gotta go and and cure your jaundice. Please look at this this pallid ichor that I have in my veins instead of blood. I need bath water. I think that really uh, maybe you should go and eat an orange. <laughs> so I'm gonna go off and eat your oranges. Goodbye. Oh, okay. All right, so Eric's going off to eat, eating a. Uh, he's gonna eat an orange. He's gonna cure his jaundice. Not his jaundice. That's a, that's entirely the wrong jaundice. Is is entirely. We're talking about scurvy. Scurvy is what I was going for. What's jaundice? Jaundice is the is when your your what your 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 um your kidneys don't work. Yeah. Oh, I, I was confusing scurvy with jaundice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
They're, no. Yeah, they, well, they both um, words with S's. Yeah, uh, they both have a J in it. Yeah, yeah. The, the J in scurvy is silent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, the, Eng- <laughs> the English language is very, very difficult. Oh, so hard. Flem. So hard. Scurvy, these, these words with all these unnecessary... The, the fucking French and the fucking Latin. Absolutely. And, uh, Germans, and they all they all got together and they got drunk and they created English spelling. It's awful, awful, awful. And very, technically very the word jaundice is a split infinitive. You're supposed to be John to be I- us. It's not a good joke right Ooh. there. I'm trying. Ooh. That was a that was an underhanded grammar joke. It was a really oh, that's it was, just the worst kind. It was both an attempt at a deep cut of a grammar joke and also a bad, bad, bad uh, conception and delivery, just bad all around. So so back to back to the upper rooms. Uh, Catherine Moreland is is real happy at the end of the day in the last episode because she already has plans for the night. Yeah. She's she's cool now because she's already she's got a date to the dance. Yeah, at least she's got a date to the dance, even though even though it's John Thorpe. Ugh, God, it's John Thorpe. It's just it's my best friend's brother who can't. He's got like a big picture of like a bikini babe on his wall. He only talks about the sports scores. He talks over you. He uh, mansplains your favorite book to you. Ugh. He's, yeah. He's just the worst. He's the worst. But you know, I mean, I don't know. I guess he's tall, and it is a sweet ride. He does have a pretty good car. I mean, and at you least know. you don't not like. There's a lot of wallflowers. At least you have a date. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, John John Thorpe. He's like a stepping stone into the society of the upper rooms. Hey, I've got a man now. Now I'm going to use him to get my place in society in the upper rooms. And as soon as I get there, I'm going to dump him and find someone better. That's a good strategy. Let's see how it plays out for him, Cotton. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so they're in the upper room. She's got a she's got a date. You know, she's gonna dance with John Thorpe. But where's John Thorpe? Uh, he's where is he? He fucked off. Yeah, he, he just, fucked off. He just pieced out. He, the first the first dance is happening. Isabella is dancing with Catherine's brother James. And John Thorpe he fucked off. I feel like that whole uh, let's date each other's brothers was a thing. Was that a thing back then, or is it just a Jane Austen thing? Because that happened in, not to bring up Pride and Prejudice again, but it happened in Pride and Prejudice, where it's like, well, look, we're brothers, and we're dating sisters or something like that. Who are the brothers who are dating sisters? Oh, no, it was sisters who are dating best friends. Sisters who are dating best friends. Which, heck yeah, I mean, that's not as as uncomfortable, sisters dating brothers. Yeah. There, there, there are a good number of twins who date other twins. Is that right? According to television. Oh, well, yeah. But sometimes those twins, they, uh, like, one of them is an evil twin and mm. has, like, a mustache mm-hmm. to indicate his, uh, it's as though the uh, cruelty in his brain coalesced in black hairs Ooh. that dripped out of his nostrils mm-hmm. and became a mustache. And then that evil twin takes over the starship. Yes. And... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Let's move on. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the, all the all the ichor in your veins comes out of the upper I, upper lip yeah. and becomes your mustache. Yes. Your, when you become your jaundiced evil twin. I had a mustache for a while. You did. I like your mustache a lot. I know you feel differently about it. I thought it suited you really well. You're in the minority there. I mean, a lot of I had a lot of pushback on the mustache. I had a lot of pushback. On I thought it. it. I thought it suited your personality really nicely. Maybe I think I'm going to be an old guy with a mustache. Yeah. 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 And I'll look like Michael Bolton. I don't know what Michael Bolton looks like, but that that seems like it would be a good look. Absolutely. Michael Bolton is the singing national security advisor. Yes. He's like, I want war with Iran. I want to see so many dead teenagers. I want Yemeni children starving in the street. 
I'm really bad at orchestrating coups in Venezuela. I like cholera, baby. Oh, I like cholera. I like cholera in the streets. I like cholera in the, in the, in the houses. Uh, so yeah, uh, John Thorpe, who's this sort of dude bro, just he just pieces off, leaves. So uh, Catherine Moreland might as well be a wallflower at this at this party. She might as well be a wallflower, and she this is such this is her moment to shine because she is suffering, but not by her own hand, by the hand of another. You know what? She has no control over what has happened. I can't think of a way this party could get even worse. I mean, what could possibly rub salt in this wound? Well, what could happen is that after an entire week of thinking that Mr. Tilney... Wait, who's Mr. Tilney? Mr. Tilney is her... Uh, her crush? Her crush. Oh my god. Her crush from several chapters ago. Who mysteriously disappeared? Who had mysteriously disappeared, reappears! My at, god. At this ball and asks her to dance, but her dance card is full. <laughs> Oh, no. Her dance card is full because she was promised to John Thorpe. And if she breaks her dance card, why the scandal in society? The scandal. She cannot dance. She cannot dance. It would be it would be it would be a tragedy if she danced with Miss, with Mr. Tilney, and it is a tragedy if she dances with Mr. If she does dance and if she doesn't dance. So it was at this point that I was thinking, just tear up your dance card. Who gives a shit? Tear up your dance card. John Thorpe is a dickhead. He's fucked off to the other room. He's talking to his friends about buying their terriers. Yeah. You go dance with Mr. Tilney. Do not be hampered by polite society. Mr. Tilney is your wonderful gay boyfriend from four chapters ago. Go dance with him, yeah. Catherine. Uh, but no, she unfortunately has to turn down her crush, uh, her, uh, her effete metrosexual crush uh, for uh, the likes of this brute who won't even deign to dance with her. Yeah, it's 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 it, pretty heartbreaking. It's rough. It is rough. I have seen uh, there are rom-coms who don't set it up any more rough than this. Yeah, it's... I, I, I feel for Catherine in this scene very much. And, I've, and also, it's, it, this, the, the whole chapter is full of awkwardness, mm-hmm. of really weird, awkward moments where not only does she... First, she has to say no to Mr. Tilney, who she is, who more than anything wants to dance with. And then she gets introduced to his sister, Ms. Tilney. Oh, God, jeez, everybody's got a sister. Oh, okay. yeah, everybody yeah. has a sister. And, of course, like, nobody's actually described physically in a way that you can picture. They're all described, uh, like, based on, like, sort of their moral attributes. I feel like the first description of all of these Mrs. There's Ms. Tilney, Ms. Thorpe, Ms. Moreland, Ms. Allen, Ms. I don't even know. Uh, they're always, she was a charming woman. Yeah, she had, she had elegance. She was handsome enough. But, uh, you know, these sisters were ugly. But not so handsome as to tempt me. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, no, they keep getting described as like a... Her, her, uh, the, the description of Ms. Tilney had a good figure, a pretty face, and a very agreeable countenance, and her air, though it had not all the decided pretension, the resolute stylishness of Ms. Thorpe's, had more real elegance. Her manners showed good sense and good breeding. They were neither shy nor effectively open, and she seemed capable of being young, attractive, and at a ball, without wanting to fix the attention of every man near her, and without exaggerated feelings of ecstatic delight or inconceivable vexation on every little trifling occurrence. So, I wish... Okay. I just... I wish that they would do once where it was like she had a you know a, a hair lip and an eye patch 
She had a big frizzy orange wig. <laughs> she was wearing like a putrid vomit green doublet. She had a bright orange beard. She had a hook hand. <laughs> and she was trying to grab hors d'oeuvres with her hook hand. And uh, the hors d'oeuvres kept uh, uh, falling off the plate. Yeah. <laughs> Most dramatically. And like, oh, of course, Ms. Thorpe, the, the, uh, the, uh, the hook, eyepatch the, hook-handed the eye- sister <laughs> of, of Mr. Tilney. Of course. Yeah, it's it's like trying to tell, uh, just based on physical description, you're, it's like trying to tell the difference between just slightly different, very subtle uh perfumes. So what I have been doing is like, okay, so there's a a Betty and Veronica or a Daphne and Velma thing going on with uh, Catherine Moreland and Isabella Thorpe, where Isabella Thorpe is more chatty and sociable and Catherine Moreland is more, I want to curl up and read a nice book and I'm not quite as comfortable around boys. So that's enough characterization for my head to make it, I mean, Blonde Burnett, it's right there, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, the Scooby-Doo That's, characters. That is the Scooby-Doo way to go about it. So yeah. what is the deal with uh, Ms... I, I mean, I presumably Ms. Tilney is going to, yeah. you know... I, I think she's she's kind of like... Um, need a redhead. The She's a bit like Fitzwilliam Darcy's sister in Pride and Prejudice. Ooh, a total bitch. No, no, oh. no. That's that's Bingley's sister. That's who's Bingley's a bitch. sister, sorry. Darcy's sister is like the nice young girl who's sweet and innocent enough to... Um, to get swept away by uh, the sinister Wickham. Oh, that was Wickham. her. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, never mind. And, but, so yeah, so I think she's just like, she's a nice girl. She is... Is she sweet and innocent? She is, she, well, she, I'm I don't think she's... I'm asking you for spoilers for the future. She's not a, I don't remember. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't remember what happens. I mean, remember what happens in the book. I don't remember what happens to, like, the, all of the side characters. Yeah. But I think it's like, she... You know, I mean, like, her, like, what is she like? What is her placement in in this chapter? Like the way that she's being described, like her, uh, you know, she can she can be at a ball without be ex- exclamations of ecstatic delight over every trifling occurrence. Like she's she's like the anti Isabella. Yeah, she's like a well. Maybe that's why I couldn't really. I could. I, I'm still having trouble like wrapping my mind around this character. But maybe because she hasn't done a whole lot yet. Yeah, yeah. I think she's like she's like this. She's just you know. I and I, I think I am I am not getting to my point anytime soon, am I? But the way that Jane Austen crafts her characters is very, very, very uh, subjective from the point of view of the other characters. So we see Ms. Tilney from Catherine's point of view, and so she's she's charming and elegant and sweet, and oh, I guess he's not, not much like Isabella, and we have a nice conversation, but it's kind of boring because we're in an awkward social situation and we don't know each other very well. So uh, the way, I think that the way uh, uh, Ms. Tilney, Miss Tilney, not Ms., this was before uh, uh, Ms. Magazine and before... Yes, this, it, well before. It's Miss Tilney. Yes. Sh- should I call her Ms.? Should I still be respectful even? I like... I, 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 it's just a habit to say Ms. Ms., yeah. Oh, I'll call her Ms. I'll be respectful 100 and, you know, 200 years into the future. Why the hell not? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the way she was introduced, I think, was rather clever, where it was... Um, 
you know what? I could read this quote, but it's not. It's too much. It's too much uh, of a Jane Austen sentence in order to read for not that good a point. Which is that it didn't even cross Catherine's mind that uh, she saw a handsome young woman on the arm of Mister Tilney. Ah, uh, this even, is great. Didn't even cross her mind that uh, Mr. Tilney could be married and that was his wife or that was some chick that he was dating because he had already flirted with her a whole bunch. Uh, he had already flirted with Catherine a whole bunch. So, I mean, and he remembers that Mr. Tilney talked about his sister. So she deduced Sherlock Holmes-like that this was his sister. And wh- what do you know, folks? It's his sister. It's his wow. sister. Wow. Yeah. So more more gothic novel shade. Yeah. And I think this is also like a like a particularly crafty gothic novel shade where she's saying uh, she's making fun of the the bad writing in what surely must have been uh, a lot of the gothic novels of the time. And I think we kind of see this today in a lot of like really really bad TV shows where an entire episode will of a of a shitty TV show mm-hmm. will TV episode will be about a misunderstanding. I thought that she was his girlfriend, and really, she was his sister. I saw... And that, that plot point will just get dragged out forever. I saw her eating ice cream with with a man. It's, he, she's cheating on me, and like, oh no, it, it's his, it's her, it's her dad. I don't know, it's some... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, these, these, these stupid little misunderstandings, though of course they do happen in real life, just get, get dragged out endlessly in bad fiction mm-hmm. and she's kind of making fun of that here Catherine did not do this this is true your husband uh got flew into a rage when he saw us podcasting together yes yes she he did he did absolutely he did uh, that's that's well I mean you're the actually the why you're my first podcast partner to survive and why all the others are behind the veils I hid behind the giant picture of him and I said if you attack me it shall destroy the one legacy yes, you, of your you, of your reign. You were able to outsmart him um, where he lives, his incredible vanity, wh- where, which you can see from his the, the, the oil painting of him with his hunting dogs and his bright white stockings and his codpiece that, that is be- behind uh, uh, our, our, our massive oak uh, four-poster bed. The other reason why I'm allowed to do this podcast with his wife is because I, I play the fool. I wear this jester's motley with jingle bells. Um, that I've silenced because <laughs> I just remembered this is an an audio medium yes. and you would be able to hear the jingle bells. <laughs> uh, but I have silenced them for the, your your sake. Uh, but I have to wear this jester's motley and dance for scraps. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And by by dance, um, uh, we do mean we do mean podcast. Podcast, podcast for, scraps. for scraps. Oh God, isn't that the truth though? <laughs> please subscribe. <laughs> please subscribe to our show. <laughs> please, please, won't you? Please, please, this our our poor our poor jester must eat. Please, we need a side hustle. New York is expensive. New York is crazy expensive. We need a side hustle. Please, please listen to our show. I'm literally on my hands and knees right now. Subscribe to our show. Email us at chapterbychapter01 at gmail.com. We are literally monetizing our friendship and our our very dialogue in order to entertain you for scraps. Right. So, um, it's late stage capitalism, baby. It's wonderful. Late state capitalism. I mean, I I I get by on my on my um on my bone selling business. Oh yeah, I I'm on my my bone selling uh, website. All of the all of the skeletons behind the many the many veils. I do actually a pretty a pretty brisk business. Um, but uh, she but, carves those bones into uh, haunted bowling pins, haunted dice. Uh, haunted, uh, just trinkets of all sorts. Mm-hmm. Which is why it was actually pretty um, inconvenient for me when when Laurentina 
it turned out it came out from behind the veil because I was planning on using those bones um, to uh, to create a a giant uh, throne like. Um, like seat to send to uh, someone in Silicon Valley. Yeah, unfortunately, it's only a, you only have enough for like a bone duvet. Yeah, which and, is just yep. it's not the same. Not the same. Yeah, yeah, the bone duvet is not the same. It's not as it's not as big of a draw. And you know, now that all of those bones are sentient and walking around, Laurentina just will not shut up. The God, I really, uh, I really did a faux pas earlier. Oh yeah, uh, it was it was really bad. I ran into one of your skeletons. I said, "Oh, excuse me, Laurentina. I didn't mean to." And it was just. It, a, it wasn't Laurentina. It was another skeleton. It was just an. It wasn't even a uh, an animate skeleton. It was just like an inanimate oh, pile of bones. Yeah. And then Laurentina was behind me. Oh, they're they're not going to be happy about that. No, absolutely. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Laurentina, are you are you there? Would you like to come out and, and talk about what happened? Do you, do you need to make amends with Eric? Does Eric need to need to make amends with you? Yeah, Laurentina. Uh, oh. Oh no! This is this is just another pile of bones. Ooh, this is so awkward. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Now I made the same faux pas. Oh no! I, I made think the same. Laurentina might be out right okay. now. Okay. Laurentina's out. Okay. Yeah. Um. What the hell were we in the middle of the chapter? We were we were talking about about uh, about so John Thorpe is fucked off. Um. We we're talking about Ms. Miss Tilney's, uh, how she has pretty much Jane Austen does not do physical descriptions. Oh yeah, so I was grumpy because uh, they didn't. <laughs> I was grumpy because I can't remember women characters unless they describe their hair color. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're Jane Austen, you know. She 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 describes their uh, their spiritual and moral aura. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although I guess maybe I can remember all the male characters, but there's only been there's only been two. There've only been three. James, John, Mister Allen, oh, Mister Tilney. Jack, uh, Chet, I, I think Brad. that Mr. Tilney is the only one of these guys who has curly hair. That's oh, my, that's right. That's my thinking. I can picture him with, like, luscious curly locks. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. black locks. Yes, he's he's the only sensualist. Very Byron-esque. Them. I yes. bet he has full lips. He has full lips. I was thinking maybe he, he could all, he could be, like... You know, maybe not 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 blonde, not a brunette, maybe ash blonde. Mm-hmm. Ash, uh, you know, you know... Thin but not skinny. Whereas I th- I, I see James Moreland as being kind of dark haired and kind of a fuckboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catherine's brother is kind of a fuckboy. All he does is flirt all night with uh, with Isabella and does not that. give a damn about his sister. And um, but when you have a catch like Isabella, I mean, tell you, lady. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, and then uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Thorpe, John Thorpe, uh, I can picture with like a really really like tight. Uh, uh, like a very tight cut yes. hair, like it's the and you know what I can picture him. I can picture him wearing cargo shorts in the summer, like dude bro shorts, like shorts that are like very deliberately unfashionable. Just you know, uh, all about practicality and like with zero concern because it might be kind of gay if uh, if he if he were to think about fashion at all. If he were to think about fashion at all. Uh, so what happens at the ball, Mr. Tilney, after Mr. Tilney, she can't dance with Mr. Tilney because her dance card is full. She hangs out with Miss Tilney a little bit, but she can't really bridge a connection because they don't, they don't have the time or the intimacy. Um, and then Isabella Thorpe comes back and reclaims her friend, Catherine Moreland, and is like, oh, where were you? I, I am, I care so much about you. You are my best friend. Mwah, 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 mwah. And Catherine says, Isabella, that guy I've been talking to you about forever, Mr. Tilney, 
He's here. Yeah. <laughs> He's here. He's over there. You you won't believe what's going on. Oh, she says she says Miss Tilney, um, his his uh, Mr. Tilney's sister has white bead in her hair, and I think that's the only physical description we get in the entire chapter. White bead. White bead in her hair. Exactly. But she's uh, over. Uh, she, look, there's his sister, and there, there the dude I was talking about is here, and I had to turn down a hot dance with him. I could have bumped and grinded up on him. Oh, I could have bumped and grinded and. In you know the geometric shapes in in which men and women do not touch each other at all, except very very lightly on the fingertips. Exactly. Uh, I could have uh, uh, popped my booty, popped and locked it. Um, I could have I've been out tonight with my hips don't lie. I'm starting to feel them, boy. Oh, uh, yeah. No, but for real though. Okay. My 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 dogs are barking. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we could have. She she could have been dancing with him, but. Her dance card was full because she had to. She she was signed up to dance with Isabella Thorpe's lame brother, who had fucked off to talk about dogs with his with some friend of his in another room, and he misses the first dance entirely. asks and and misses half of the second dance entirely, and then Catherine Child tells him to fuck off. Yeah. So eventually he comes back and he's like, "Hey, let's fucking dance." And she's like, "No, I have whatever. Fuck off." He's like, "No, seriously. Okay, walk arm in arm with me." Let's quiz people in this Let's room. Let's quiz people I'm in this room. super good at quizzing. Super good at quizzing. And what, by, by quizzing, I mean make fun of people I don't like. And by people I don't like, I don't mean my ugly sisters. Yeah, by right. I'm gonna, oh, 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 I'm going to quiz them. Yeah, absolutely. They call me Johnny Quiz Boy. <laughs> so, so one thing I was thinking about at this party, um, is, because there, there's, it's, a, it's, just a, it's a thrill a minute, this ball in the upper room. Um, but, you know, as I was catching my breath, I was thinking to myself, you know, these are 17, 18, 19 year olds at a party and uh, with chaperones and what it would be like to be at, you know, every single college party you, you were at with like your parents and all their friends. Oh, God. Awful. Wouldn't right? Awful. Yeah. And it was just the women who needed chaperones. The men did not need chaperones. Even worse. Right. Yeah. Oh my God! I couldn't. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's hard. It's hard to imagine all the things that I I, I, I did in college. I, I, the person that I became with your entire family just sat there, planted, staring at you. Most of the things I did in college was oppo- as opposed to my family. But then again, I wouldn't have had that trouble because. Yeah. 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 I got the you know the whole dude thing. You going got the on. whole dude thing going on. Yeah. I think I I. Uh, I, that would not have been a good time. I would not have enjoyed, I still uh, have enjoyed my, my teens. Yeah, because there'd still be a bunch of other random adults there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You would you would never be you never be alone with somebody. Exactly. And if you were, you, then you would have to marry them. Yeah. And that'd be the, that, that. There goes the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um. So what what are the odds on James and Isabella at this point in the novel? James. Uh... James Catherine's brother and Isabella. I think Isabella. The psycho. Isabella's a psycho. Isabella's going to move on. She's going to chew him up and spit him out. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I, I think she's... Uh, she she wants it all. Yes. And, and good for her. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, James... You know, Isabella's a psycho. But James, he's no great catch. He's no great catch. And, uh, you know... He's got a nice sister. Mm-hmm. But he's no great catch. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think... Uh, is, is that it for the chapter? I think so. I think so. Un- um, un- unless we have any other special guests. We do. Do we hold on? What's? Oh. Who's that? Who's coming? Oh. In? Okay. Oh, he's here. Oh, he's here. Okay. Oh. It's late in the cast. But why don't you? Why don't you let him in, Eric? Absolutely. Here we go. Bonsoir. Ah, bonsoir. Here we have. Um, 
we have our special guest for for today's episode, uh, Roland Barth. Excuse me. What, what oh, excuse I'm... me, Roland Barth. No, oh, any, 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 any. You are mispronouncing my name. So. Oh, I, so I do apologize. Plenty. It is the, the way you you are this the way your your filthy American tongue rolls around our, our luscious French syllables. <laughs> it makes me want to vomit, which not uncoincidentally is what you have to do to pronounce Roland Bart. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I pronounce your name without without expelling the contents of my stomach onto my desk. Merci beaucoup. Please play. Uh, Roland. <coughs> was that was that correct? No, no, dreadful, dreadful. Uh, Monsieur. Oh, oh, wait, I said your last name. Please bleep that out. I know that you uh, you do not like having your last names on this uh, podcast. Uh, Monsieur, please, why don't you try? Who, me? Yeah, sure. Annie, should I try? Yeah, yeah, I think you should. <clears throat> Hold on, let me let me have a little drink of water. Okay. Please, please go ahead. Just prepare yourself. Okay, Eric Eric is drinking, is drinking water, and he's about to pronounce... <clears throat> The name of our host. Our guest. Our guest. Yeah, our guest, not our host. Here we go. We're not in Berlin Barth's house. <clears throat> Roland Barth's. C'est magnifique. Exactement, monsieur. Hey, hey, I think you made me work too hard. <laughs> I had to th- I had to throw oh, up my dinner. I had monsieur. to lose my dinner to say your name. Monsieur, you are so magnificent. Please go do a victory lap around the block while, while You know what, you know what, Roland? Roland oui, oui. Roland, you know, while while we're here we're gonna stop pronouncing your name and throwing <laughs> oui. up and we're I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some questions while Absolutely. you're here. You know, so It is I, genius Roland Bart. <laughs> So uh, you know you you have this uh, very very famous uh, essay on post in uh, post structuralist theory on the death of the author. So um, can you please uh, tell us here on our you know our podcast and we got we're kind of going for a gothic romance theme. Um, can you tell us the um, the manner in which the author died? Well, I, I shall be very specific. Uh, you do you see Northanger Abbey? I do. Absolutely. Do you see this name on top of the name Northanger Abbey? I do. What is that it's, name? It's right Jane Austen. There? Lies. Absolutely. No, Jane Austen is the, a, a, a pipe by which uh, all manner of Regency era uh, fripple frapple and dibbly dobbly do and je ne sais quoi were pumped into. Uh, much like uh, a good foie gras, uh, much as I eat a good foie gras and a coco vin and manners of cheeses and wines. <laughs> And then I chew it up in my body, and all sorts of enzymes go in it, and then I shit out a shit. Uh, in that uh, same way, so too an author writes a... <laughs> excuse me, what? Writes. I don't know if you can see this. I am putting scare quotes around the rights. Uh, a book. Uh, the text is merely a shit that the author grabs from different aspects of society and, uh, and clumps together. They are no more the author than I am the author of a shit. But aren't you the author of a shit? Aren't you the author of a, of a daily shit? <laughs> is that the shade thrown against my published works right there? <laughs> it is a good thing that I believe the author is dead, because or else I would storm off in a huff. In a huff. Okay. So, Absolutely. Uh, so, so Roland Barthes, um, oui? what did you think about this, this chapter of Northanger Abbey? What did I think about this uh, chapter of Northanger Abbey is I loved the, uh, 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 I, here are two things that I love in my life. One is uh, my mother, my mother, and two is men's butts. And there were mothers in this chapter, 
and there were plenty of men's luscious butts. <laughs> uh, John Thorpe, he had like a jock butt, you know. You oh, know, yeah. absolutely. He ran around in little circles well, doing he, his I, soccer I think games. He had he had at least as much muscle as he had fat. And he had a lot of both. He was a horse rider. He spoke about his sick car. So Roland Barth, your your team, John Thorpe. No, I guess no, I, no, I really no. shouldn't be surprised. I'll take all of that. You're, you're, the 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 kind of the the the, the jerk. I the jock. Met, oh, let me tell you something. I have met so many Mister Tilneys and Barry. <laughs> They're everywhere. Ah, <laughs> sensitive I English see. people going back and forth. They oh, oh Monsieur Barth, please read my poetry. Oh Monsieur. Bad. Please look uh, at my you, you want a you want a, a, a hunk of fine want, man meat. It is so easy to uh, date a Mr. Tilney, but to convert Mr. Thorpe, who is so proudly heterosexual. Ah, absolutely. I see. You 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 desire a challenge. Here's, oh, he is such a challenge, okay. Annie. Oh, oh, Annie. Okay. He is such a challenge. Here's what I would do. I would sit him down at their fine cafe. <laughs> <laughs> he would start talking about this car. And I'd say, you know what else is kind of like a good car? What else is kind of like a good car? Uh, then I would waggle my eyebrows suggestively. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would think very briefly of my beloved Mazer before... <laughs> <laughs> Before I would immediately lunge and I would start kissing his sweet mouth. And oh. then, you know, one thing would lead to another, yada, yada, yada. I am paying for his Uber ride home. Okay. Listeners, Absolutely. The, the author is now dead. Okay. The author is now dead. Uh, if you will excuse me, I believe I shall croak now. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Roman. But. <sighs> okay. Sorry, I had to run around the block uh, doing a victory well, lap, that, that pronouncing was, Roland Barth's name right. That was actually pretty cool, but we mostly talked about butts, which I was really, oh. I was like, you know, we had Slavoj Zizek in for his singing technique. We had Roland Barth come for, to talk about um, butts and his mother for some reason. I, God, I wish I could. Yeah, he loved his mom. That's a big thing. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I just, uh, for completely randomly, uh, for no real reason, before we started this podcast, I read a little bit, just a very tiny amount about Roland Barthes. <laughs> uh, just for, literally, for no reason, by sheer coincidence, Roland Barthes uh, came in here. Absolutely. Fascinating. And the very, very tiny amount that I read was his essay, Death of the Author, the fact that he was gay, and the fact that he loved, loved, loved his mother. Yeah, I'm sure they're there. You know, that's a that's a. And that's uh, all you need to know about a person. That, that's like a Jane Austen-esque amount of description Absolutely. for uh, for a person that he had a handsome countenance. He and that a handsome, he had bead in his hair. He had beaded his hair, a handsome countenance, and and a firm yet muscly butt. Hey, hey Annie. Hey, yes. Yeah, that, that was a bead in his hair. <laughs> Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, get, get behind the fucking veil. Okay, get, get behind the fucking veil. It's time. It's time. You jingled your last bell. Okay. Is there why you keep me around? <laughs> Woo! Ooh, okay. Right. Yeah. It's a good thing we're a very lowbrow podcast. We are a very, very lowbrow podcast. Um, uh, hey, did you like this chapter? I did. I, you know, I, I liked this chapter less than I've had liked previous chapters, even though more happened because I was, I was more um, thinking about trying to understand what was going on um, just physically, you know, when are they dancing? When are they not dancing? Who's talking? Who are all these like random old women? 
who are chaperoning the young women um, that we don't actually need to know about. And, and so I couldn't focus as much on, um, on Catherine Moreland's teenage angst, which is what I prefer to focus on. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to, I, gosh, I liked, I liked how they t- turned the effing screw. I loved it. I loved how they, she's so close to dancing with her crush and then just snatched away from you. Uh, it's like uh, really playing on social anxieties. Uh, in yep. a way that really reminds me of, like, a very well-made rom... Or, like, you know, a well-made, silly rom-com would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a well-made, silly rom-com. It's, like, she... Yeah, they're turning the screws. They're amping up the pressure. We are we are feeling her pain, but it's also very banal pain. Yeah. It is... The, it is it's pain, but it's the pain of, of discomfort. It's the it, pain of discomfort. It's not, it's not despair. It's not spiritual ennui. She's not on the floor. She's just like, well, I guess this kind of sucks. When you said uncomfortable uh, pain, my first immediate comparison was The Office. But no, it's not like The Office. It's like a... a that would be kind of funny. A Jane, Jane Austen as written like an episode of The Office. Oh, yeah. And like little side interviews with like Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Allen and... Yeah. Yeah. That I think I think this is this is the next sort of modern family esque um, sitcom. Oh my god, a Regency era Regency era sitcom with that's filmed like uh, those like fake interviews, like yeah. in Parks and Rec or The Office. Mm-hmm. God, what the hell are we doing here? What Let's, are we doing here? Why, why is we, this our side hustle? We should be making millions. Why are we entertaining you, thirteen listeners, instead of uh, uh, going to Hollywood, Hollyweird? And uh, uh, pitching it to all those uh, uh, those uh, perverts that uh, produce these things. Yeah. 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 Wait. Find whatever Harvey Weinstein produces The Office and say, hey, the same thing, but in the Regency era. Right, with Roland Barthes. With coming, coming and talking about butts and his mother and the white beads in his hair. Because we're classy like that. Because we're classy. So, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, what it really reminds me of is more like a, like a teen sex comedy. Like, a, like you know, something... Like, um... I haven't seen, like, 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 um... Like, my, very my, 90s. My So-Called Life. Yeah. This is My my So-Called Life, only it's less dark than yeah. My So-Called Life. Because My So-Called Life is like, this is about the kind of grunge kid who likes feeling sad and listening to sad music. And Catherine Morland is obviously kind of bubbly. Yeah. She's a bubblegum goth. It's, uh, oh, that's kind of cute, the way you described it. Yeah, I did not. I did not make that up. Oh, okay. That's, this is a. This is. This comes of having been a '90s teen. Bubblegum goth. Bubblegum goth. Is a whole. That well, is a, a whole. Yeah. Well, actually, it's a. It's a. The. Uh, it's a style of music that is pretty much, um, just one band called the Gothic Archies. Oh my God. That was the the, the magnetic fields band that they put, they did all the music for the original um, uh, book album of um, un, a series of unfortunate events. Oh no, kidding. That's kind of an absurdly appropriate uh, uh, genre uh, venue for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like ima- I'm imagining if Tim Burton were a uh, less hacky director, like he kept his. Uh, yeah, it was like '90s Tim Burton instead of Knott's Tim Burton. Yeah, exactly. If he were, he'd do stuff like that. Sleepy Hollow instead of Big Fish or whatever the fuck he's doing now. I really liked Big Fish, but I did not like all of the fucking like weird uh, Alice, Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland or... uh, the remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, what what are our recommendations as we as we conclude? The episode today. Uh, what are our recommendations? I just finished The Hour of the Star by Clarice Lispector. I have not read any Clarice Lispector before this. She was a Portuguese writer. Uh, somebody on the back cover, uh, a contemporary of hers back when she lived, you know, back in the 70s or whatever, said uh, she uh, 
writes like Virginia Woolf, and she looks like uh, uh, Hedy Lamarr. Uh, that's a good combination. That's a good combination. Oh, no, excuse me. Sorry, excuse me. She looks like Marlene Dietrich, and she writes like even Virginia better. Woolf, which is even better. Now, I'm not saying we should judge a, per, a writer, a woman writer, by her looks. I'm just saying that that's pretty cool if you look like Marlene Dietrich and you can write like Virginia Woolf. Did she sing like Marlene Dietrich? Uh, she didn't, but she actually wrote kind of, I could absolutely picture Marlene Dietrich singing about the things she wrote about, which are like these kind of very honest descriptions of poverty, uh, very like, very smoky urban scenes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Um, I think perhaps Marlene Dietrich, Marlene, Lily Marlene yeah. may, may come. May come in on, on, the, on, the, on the podcast. Oh, I have to think of some uh, some yes. questions for her. Oui. Absolutely. Oui. Oui. Uh, so my, my recommendation is going to be um, Orphan Monster Spy um, by uh, Matt uh, Killian. Killian, I think that's his name. And this is, a, this is a book about a Jewish refugee who becomes, it's a young adult novel about a Jewish refugee who becomes a, uh, a, a spy and uh, a student in an elite Nazi all-girls boarding school. And this is, it's like a combination of like the boarding school, I guess we've been talking last episode on like the boarding school novel that's a, that's a whole genre of, of book including Harry Potter and like Tom Brown's school days the boarding school novel and the Nazi spy novel man imagine a Nazi boarding school yeah I mean I don't have to I've got this book yeah yeah, yeah. you got the yeah a, a Nazi boarding school which is not that much different from like a English boarding school. Yeah, exactly. Although I think all like the German boarding schools were even worse. They were even more militant than the than the British ones. Even more militant. Even more militant, even more uncomfortable. I don't think, I don't know if they starved the students like they did in the English boarding schools, but... Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But they definitely taught them to be, like, mean, angry little shits. Um, I think there was a boarding school in All the Light We Cannot See, which is also pretty good. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so is it, do we have any further further commentary? No, no, I think we're done. I think we've outstayed our welcome. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't... Uh, 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 deleted all of the information on your uh, pod listening device and forsworn off technology forever so as to avoid podcasts like ours. If that hasn't happened to you already, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And please uh, email us your, your questions and comments at uh, chapterbychapter01 at gmail.com. We want to know about your uncomfortable parties, your bad jerky boyfriends, um, other future guest stars you'd like to have on. Or if you've, if you've ever been, been, uh, been chaperoned. Yeah, exactly. At, at a at a in a party where your 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 parents are, and it's really inappropriate. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay, I think we're good. Let's yeah. do a clink and a goodbye. Let's do a clink and a goodbye. Thanks, folks. I wanna see you peacock, you peacock, you peacock, you peacock. I wanna see you peacock, you peacock, you peacock, you peacock.